Well, good morning. It's a wonderful privilege to bring you the word this morning. And I want to really encourage your heart this morning. I've got a word in my spirit, and it's not just for women. It's not just for mothers, even though today is Mother's Day. Today is a message for everyone. Today is a message for young people and for men and women alike. Because we're entering a season, a very exciting new season in the things of God. And it's going to require all of us to, to come on board to fully awake in our hearts and in our lives. This morning I'm believing that the presence of God will come and it will invade your home, will invade your own heart and will invade your space this morning. So why don't we just give him this morning and give him all glory and honour as we commit this time to him. Oh Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you abide in each home this morning. And Lord, we welcome you to come and move in our lives. We welcome you this morning to come and move in our hearts. We welcome you to come and wake us up and to bring revival into each one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I've got a word for you. And uh, the, the name of this message is the prophet and the prostitute. And this message comes from the book of Hosea. And it's a story about a prophet and a prostitute. He's a man of God and she is a hooker. She's a harlot. She's a lady of the night. She's a scarlet woman. But this is a story of second chances and of restoration. It's a story of the greatest love. It's a story of disaster that ends in an incredible victory. It's a story of incredible love and incredible courage. It's a story about you and it's about me. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like things are, are quite disastrous in your story right now. I want to bring you today a message of hope. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. So here we have Hosea, and he's a good man. He's a godly man. He's a prophet. He lives a clean life. And he loves the Lord. He's, he's full of integrity and he's pure. And one day God says to him, Hosea, I found you a wife. And I, I can imagine what Hosea's expectations would have been. And I'm sure he would have said, God, which one is she? And then God says, I'm going to show you who you will marry. And God takes him and he leads them through the city, leads them past all the places that Hosea thought that the woman would have been found. And he leads them into the red light district where there's uncleanness and there's sin and there's prostitutes and there's druggies and there's pimps and there's all sorts of other atrocities. And God points out a woman and her name is Gomer and she is a prostitute, she's a hooker. And God says to Hosea, this is your wife. This is the one I want you to marry. See, this isn't just a story of Hosea doing what God said, because if it was, it would just be a story of obedience. No, Hosea, he married Goma. And the Bible says that he didn't just marry her out of obedience, but he loved her. It's a story about the power of God's incredible love for us, that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, it was not just obedience. He didn't do it just out of an act of submission, but one out of great love for you and me. In John 3.16, and I know we know this verse, but the message version says this, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, 
to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. And so Hosea's life becomes an illustration of the greatest, most, most crazy love story ever. He's the only prophet that I've seen in the Bible where God uses Hosea's own life story as an illustration of God's relationship with us and of God's relationship with Israel at the time. See, I believe God wants us to know and to truly, truly understand that even when we screw up, he still loves us. Yeah, there's consequences to our choices, to our lifestyle, to our behavior, but oh, he loves you and I. There's always a way back. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like you've screwed up, but I want to tell you today, there is a way back. See, our love for him cannot be based on performing. It's not about you and I being a good person because he loves us regardless, because he loves people. Jesus in this story is represented by Hosea as the loving prophet. And you and I, we're like the prostitute, unfaithful. And when Hosea and Goma got together and they got married, she really brought nothing of value to that relationship because of her lifestyle, because of what she'd chosen. You and I, we have nothing to offer God. We really have nothing to bring to the table. And here's what I mean by that, is that you can't make God love you anymore by doing good things. And you and I, we can't make God love us any less because he already just loves us. And it's hard to get our head around because the world we live in lives by a different system. It lives in a system that says when you do good things, you're loved. And when you do bad things, we'll reject you. But that is not the kind of love that God offers us today. Jesus Christ came out of heaven just to save, to redeem us by his blood, his astonishing and incomprehensible love. Just like Hosea loved his wife, the prostitute, she was unlovable. Jesus Christ loves you and I today. The miracle is not just that he died, but that he loved us so much that he would die for you and I. He loves you just like you are. But today, especially if you are a believer, he's requiring more of us. He's calling us up into more. If we get back to the story, here's Hosea and Goma. And they get married and they love each other. That's what the Bible says. And, and life goes on and, and the Lord says, I want you to have children. And names are extremely significant in the Bible. Today, he knows you by name. Your name has significance to him. And so the first child that they have, they have a son and his name that God says to them, name him Jezreel. And one of the meanings of Jezreel is God sows. And the Bible says that over time, Goma's focus starts to change and it starts to drift. And the fire in their relationship starts to dwindle. And her eyes start to drift back to her former lifestyle. And she starts to go back into her old ways and she becomes unfaithful. And then she has another child. And it's strongly suggested by theologians that this child wasn't Hosea's, that she was unfaithful. But God says to Hosea, name this child Lo-Ruhama, which means not loved and no mercy. And after that child, she, has a nut, she gets pregnant again, and, and again, they suggest strongly that the next child is not Hosea's either, that she continues to be unfaithful. 
And God says to Hosea, I want you to name this child Lo-Ami. And Lo-Ami means not my people. And this is in direct reference to the way Israel was behaving, their relationship towards God. I want to tell you today, we can take a parallel from Goma. Because wherever our eyes go, wherever our eyes drift, and wherever they fix to, your heart will soon follow afterwards. Goma returned to her old lifestyle. She ends up sex trafficking again, back in prostitution. And she leaves Hosea. And it looks like to us on the outside, this is a shocking, horrendous story of, of a woman. We don't know why she, why she starts off in prostitution. Perhaps she has an incredibly broken upbringing. But she has a chance at redemption. And Hosea loves her. And he builds a life with her. But her eyes fix to the wrong things and she drifts back into the old lifestyle. And really it's a parallel for you and I. In our relationship with God, we start off when we first get saved with a fire in our lives. But after a while, if we don't, if we don't build the relationship, the fire starts to dwindle in the relationship. And we find we make excuses and we find legitimate reasons why we don't pray, why we don't have conversations with God. Why we don't show up. Why we don't serve anymore. And there's no joy in them anymore. And we gradually start to pull away. And we leave our first love. And our eyes hook to old things. And they lead us to old places. And suddenly we realize there's a gap in our lives and we're missing things. But we start to think that the, the old things are the things that will satisfy us. And we believe a lie that if I go back to the old... It will satisfy me more. And there's a pull and we justify. And our focus becomes self-centered. It becomes more about me and my convenience. And does it suit me? And for some of us here, it's a total backsliding out of a relationship with Jesus. But for some of us, it's not. For some of us, we still love God. We're still saved. We're still Christian. But we've fallen out of that place of first love. See, the devil can concede defeat on your salvation as long as he can get your attention, as long as he can capture your heart, because if he can do that, he can stop you fulfilling your relationship with God. He can stop you becoming everything that God has called you to be. There's a stinking spirit from the pit of hell, and it's called distraction. And it's designed to take our eyes off Jesus. I said it before, but where our eyes are fixed and if they're fixed there long enough, they're our heart and our value system will follow also. See, if he can distract us, he can attract us to other things. And it usually happens when we're going through a tough time. Our eyes get caught up with other things. We do a few more hours at work. We need time for ourselves. We, we increase our leisure time. What has your attention today? What is your focus today? There's an incredible report written about a man, an evangelist, and in the late 1940s, he was an evangelist who was preaching the gospel to large crowds in major arenas, and many, many people were coming to Christ in his crusades. But he abandoned his faith, and he resigned from ministry, and he became a writer and a news commentator. And one day, a journalist interviewed him. The former evangelist was now 83 years old and beginning to suffer from Alzheimer's disease. 
And the journalist asked him about Jesus and was, and was surprised at his response. And the man said this, the former evangel evangelist said, Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the most intrinsically wisest person I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. He's the most important thing in my life. I know it might sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. The man continued, every good thing I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learnt it from Jesus. He's the most important being who ever existed. And if I may put it this way, I miss him. And the reporter writes that the old evangelist's eyes fill with tears and he wept freely. And then he refuses to say any more. How sad is this? How sad is this a way to end your life? Knowing God, knowing the power of Jesus Christ and then disconnecting and saying no more. Knowing the truth but staying apart and staying disconnected. How many of you are here today? And maybe you even go to church, but your heart, if you're honest, has become cold. And Christianity and Jesus is not a relationship anymore, but it's a thing you do. Too many of us have discussions about Jesus and we, we have forgotten to have conversations with him. Maybe today you're a really good person and I honor you for that. Maybe you even serve you believe in God, but if you're honest, the relationship you once had with God is nothing more than a distant memory. And that fire that you once carried is no longer anymore. And other things have taken the first place. When there's a disconnect between our relationship with Jesus and why I do what I do, it leads to resentfulness. And it causes coldness and emptiness and indifference. And you know what? It happens gradually. Social things get in the way. Wanting to, to make more money and increase our financial base. Recreational activities. Wanting to have family time. Wanting to have time for yourself. And you know what? There is not one thing wrong with any of these things. These are all good things. To pursue your career, pursuing study, they're all good things. Until they take the first place. He was always meant to have your first place. If the enemy can't distract you, he will try and attract you, and then he will hook your heart. I want to read to you this morning from Revelations 2. It's a letter to the, the church in Ephesus. And uh, this is an incredible church, and this church had been doing great things in their city and in their region. And uh, this letter is written, John was on the, on the island of Patmos. And he had an incredible, he was caught up to heaven. And God gave him letters. God gave him things to write to the churches. And so I just want to read an extract. It's found in Revelations 2, verse 2, and it says this. I know all that you've done for me. You've worked hard and you've persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved that they are not. They were imposters. And I also know that you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. And yet you've not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love that you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do not do the work 
and do the works of love that you did at first. I will come to you and I will remove the lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. And you can go and read the whole scripture. It's found in Revelations 2, verse 2 to 7. But this is a, this is a huge scripture. It's a huge wake-up call for us. This was a successful church. They were doing great things in their community. They were doing great things and they were reaching out to people. But the one thing that God had, the problem was that they had lost their first love. So everything they were doing was from a place of serving and not a place from motivation of loving God. I want to ask you today, are you still burning with a love for him that you first had? First love is this, it's where the place where revival starts. I think a lot of us need a personal revival. You know the word revive? It means to bring back to a state of consciousness. It means to become awake. And I think some of us, if we're honest, we still go to church, we still love God, but we have lost our consciousness. And we need to wake up. I was raised in a traditional church, and I want to honor my parents today. They raised me knowing God. They raised me loving God. But I have to say, I remember in my teenage years, when I first encountered Jesus Christ for myself, when I first gave my life to him, and I remember feeling absolutely overwhelmed by his love. I was filled with love for God and love for people. And I knew and I experienced the reality that because of God's love for me, I could endure anything that came at me. When we're walking in God's love. We're able to get outside ourselves and there's a confidence and there's a zeal for life. Do you remember it? That I had never imagined would exist. See, I fell in love with the one who created me and the rest of humanity. I fell in love with God because he rescued me from my misery, from my chains, and from my mess, and from my brokenness. I fell in love with God because he first fell in love with me. I fell in love with him because I, for the first time in my life, I realized I was truly forgiven. I truly hadn't known what real life, what real love was until I experienced and yielded to the love of God. It absolutely and completely and radically changed my life. It's why I serve him today. It's why I'm a pastor today. Sure, it's a calling, but I don't serve him because it's the right thing to do. I serve him because I know that I am so loved and that I have been set free and that I want every person that I come into contact with to know the love of Jesus Christ. So what happens to us when the fire burns out? What is it? What is it that changes in our life? You know, I think it's disappointments. I think it happens gradually. I think it hurts. I think it's unmet, unmet expectations, the cares of life. You know, if you neglect a relationship, it causes the fire to go out. If you don't feed a fire, the fire just, it burns out overnight. Maybe we give in little by little to the temptations of the world. We become indifferent. And before long, we become like a ship that's drifted out to sea and without an anchor. And we, we have discussions about them instead of conversations with our king. And we start feeling lost and lonely and sad. And then we start to blame him because of a disconnection. It's easy to drift away from God. Maybe that's you today. 
We start pleasing ourselves. We, we start to become self-centered. We become compromising. We let offenses brew in us and we don't deal with them. But I want to say this. There can be no doubt that the most unhappy person in the world is a Christian who's no longer walking with God. And I want to tell you why. Because this person has tasted how good it is to be with God. This person has experienced the radical difference between being locked up in darkness and walking freely in the light. This person knows what it is to feel so deeply loved beyond measure. This person knows what it is to feel such love for other people that be willing to do just about anything to see other people know Jesus. A lover of Jesus that's fallen away knows what it is to live with peace that surpasses all understanding. They know the truth that sets people free, but they've found themselves locked up once again in sin and in misery. You and I, we're responsible for us. I am responsible for me and my relationship with him. And you are responsible for your relationship with him. I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. Pastor Mike spoke an incredible message last week and I encourage you, if you didn't hear it, to go back and listen to that message about the 10 virgins, the, the five foolish and the five wise virgins. You can't borrow somebody else's oil. You have to get it yourself. There's nothing worse, church, than letting go of our first love. And maybe that's you today. And here we have Hosea. And he's got a wife who's a prostitute. And she's been unfaithful time and time and time again. And that's a big problem. And then God drops the truth bomb. And he says, Hosea, I want you to go back to her. I want you to call her back. You know what? I reckon our human response would be this. No way. No way. Look what she's done. She's a prostitute. She's been unfaithful, not just once, but many times. She doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve my love. You know what? I'd have to say that would be the same for you and I with God. We don't deserve his love, but he pours it out anyway. And you and I, it becomes too easy to point the finger at other people. But I want to tell you today, his love is something you and I can't comprehend. His love is unfathomable today. His love is courageous. It's more than a feeling. His love never fails. And I want to read you a scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. And it's found in the Passion. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And you might say, oh, I know the scripture. This is the marriage scripture. But it's so much more than this. Because this is how we put love into action. This is the love that God intended. <clears throat> it says this. If I were to speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith and could move mountains, but I have never learned to love, listen to this, I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give everything away that I owned and feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burnt as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all, not just to my preferred group, not just to the people that are in my little circle, it's to everyone. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. 
Love doesn't brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love doesn't traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what's wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. And I love this, love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten and present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. Let's stop being masters of discussions about Jesus and become a people that would have conversations with him. You know, discussions about God are wonderful, but if that's the extent of our relationship with God, then we have a problem like they did in, the, in Ephesus. And we go back to the story, Hosea says this. He says, I will call her back. He's talking about Goma. And I will take her to the place where I met her in the wilderness. And then he says this, this is incredible. He says, and I will walk with her through the valley of Achor. You know what Achor means? It means, it means trouble. He says, I will walk with her through the valley of trouble and the valley of pain. And then I will take her to the door of hope. This is a promise to you from God. No matter how bad things get, no matter what you are facing today, in the valley of trouble, in the valley of pain, he gives you a door of hope today. When we don't process our pain, when we don't process our trouble, we end up going around in circles all our lives. You and I, we can't run from pain. And I want to tell you this, that time, time does not fix or heal pain. It dulls pain until something brings it back to our memory. We have to process pain. We have to walk through the valley to process trouble. Every one of us has to do this. You can't fix a marriage without processing it. But I want to encourage you today, if you're walking through a marriage issue today, have the courage to walk through the valley of Achor, the valley of pain, the valley of trouble, because there is a door of hope in that place. You can't fix your finances unless you walk through the valley of trouble and you will find a door of hope in him. You can't fix grief and you can't fix relationships. We can't fix anything unless we choose to walk through the valley of trouble. And in that place, we will find the door of hope. You and I, we have to choose to walk through that place until we find it. No one can make you. You can go round in circles all your life. You have to choose it. And you know what I want to tell you this too? We have to choose it again and again and again. It's like an eat, sleep, repeat. That there are going to be situations in our lives where we have to choose to walk through, to pass through that valley of Achor so that we can find the door of hope, which is Jesus Christ. He loves you today. He wants you back. In Hosea 3 verse 2, this is what Hosea says. He says, so I brought her back for myself. 
for 15 pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley, which is the price of a common slave. Hosea went to find his wife. He went to find Goma. And what he found was that she'd gone so low. Her life had gone so low because she'd hooked her eye to something from her past and she'd been drawn back. But her life had gone so low that now she was owned by somebody else and she was a slave. And he had to buy her back. I want to ask you today, are there things in your life that own you? Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you're rehearsing pain. Maybe you're rehearsing offenses. Maybe today it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in areas where you've just gone back into, you still love God, but you've gone, you, your focus is back on leisure activities. It's, it's become a self-centered relationship. It's a relationship of convenience that when I want God, I'm there. But when I don't need him, I'm not, and I'm off doing my own thing. God wants you back. And God said this to Hosea, that as you do this, as you buy her back, this is how I love Israel. I want to say to you today that Jesus Christ has bought you today with his blood. He wants to buy you back. Hosea's response to his wife was this, no longer will I be called Baali, which means master. I will be called Eshai, which means husband. In other words, don't call me master anymore because I don't want you to be my slave. I'm asking you to call me husband when I take you home. I want full relationship with you. I will restore you fully and I forgive you fully. See, he doesn't want a relationship with us as a slave and him as our master. He wants you and I to be his bride and he would be the bridegroom. And the enemy's strategy is this, is that if he can hook us, he can hook our eye, he can capture our heart and he can make us a slave. But Jesus Christ today, he paid a price for you so that you and I would never ever have to be a slave again. We don't have to be a slave to offense. We don't have to be a slave to habitual sin. We don't have to be a slave to unforgiveness. We don't have to be a slave to mediocrity. We don't have to be a slave to fear, to problems in our marriages. We don't have to be a slave to grief today. Because Jesus Christ has already paid the price for you. You don't have to be a slave. You're set free today. You know, I said before that names in the Bible are, are really important. And the name Hosea actually means salvation and deliverer. And we look at Gomer and we know that she's a prostitute. But her name means so much more. See, we see her as very incomplete. But her name, the name Goma, actually means complete. And when you put the name Hosea and Goma together, it means complete salvation and deliverance. Jacob in the Bible, he was called the trickster and the deceiver. But he had an encounter with the living God. And God said, oh, I'm going to rename you as Israel because you were one that prevailed with me and you lived. We see Saul in the Bible and he's a persecutor. He's murdering the Christians. He's putting them in prison. And God says, no, I'm going to take a hold of him. And he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he becomes Paul, one of the greatest apostles. Today, you may, you may see a mess in your life. But today, he sees completeness. If you and I will pass through the valley of trouble, the, the valley of Achor, there is a door of hope for you and I. Today, you may see brokenness, and you may see emptiness, and you may see weakness. But if you have the courage to walk through the process of the valley 
of Achor, the valley of pain and trouble and process those things, then he will provide a door of hope for you. And you will become fulfilled. He says, you see empty, but I see fulfilled. And you see weakness, but he's called you to be strong in him. If you turn, he's calling us today out of darkness and into the light. If you turn and move towards the cross, I'm telling you today that God will not abandon you. Your direction is more important than your location. We just got to get moving in the right direction. Amen. Like Hosea called his wife back, Jesus Christ is calling us back into that place of first love. His love never fails. In Ephesians 3, in verse 17 and 18, and I'm not going to go there right now, but this is basically what it says, that the love of God is so great that you can't find the start and the end of it, that you can't find the top of it, and you can't find the bottom of it, and you can't find the sides of it, because it is so big, it does not end. He just loves you and I over and over and over again. And the truth is, if you and I are honest, you and I are just like that prostitute. We're just like Goma. We become unfaithful and we, we lose our way and we, we lose our vision and we get tripped up on things along the way. But there's always a way back. You are not a slave today. You were never called to be a slave to sin. You're called to be free. You're called to be the bride of Christ today. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. You've been set free and you're complete in him. You don't have to work hard for his relationship. He just loves you. Jesus Christ makes you and I whole. I believe there's people watching today and you feel disqualified, like you disqualified yourself. You know what? That may be true, but your story's not over. Because when you process that and you walk through the valley of ache or the valley of trouble, there's always a door of hope. And I want to tell you today that if you would have the courage to do that, that God wants to use your story just like he used Hosea's story and he wants to use it for his glory to paint a picture to the whole world about how great his love is, how great his mercy is, and about how great he loves you. His whole intention in this, in this account in the word is for restoration. And I want to read you a passage from Hosea chapter 2, verses 20, 21 and 20 to 23. And it says this, and in that day I will answer you, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. Now remember the names of the children of Hosea and Goma. And the first child's name was God sows. And listen to this, here's the promise. And God says, and I will sow her for myself in the land. He's talking about restoration. And remember the second child's name, even though it wasn't Hosea's child, Lo Ruhama, and it meant no mercy. And here's what God says, and I will have mercy on no mercy. And the third child, another one that wasn't Hosea's, biological child, and the child's name, remember it was Loami, and it means you are not my people. And here's what he says in this verse, and I will say to not my people, you are my people, and he shall say you are my God. He restores us. This whole passage is about restoring us back. It was about not just restoring Goma. It was about not just restoring her love to Hosea and our love to God. It's about restoring generations. Today, generations sit inside of you. How sad would it be to be that former evangelist, 83 years old at the end of his life, 
And he never reconnected with the living God. Today, generations sit inside of you. You and I have the choice to, to become people that don't just have discussions about him, but have conversations with him, where we love him, where we make time for him. Amen? First love is this. When I am deeply in love with Jesus Christ, nothing is a chore. I want to serve him because I want to be with my king and I want to please him and I want to build his house. And that's inside the church and it's outside the church too. It's not one or the other. It's both. And I want to share my experiences of him with everyone. First love looks like this. It transforms us and it looks like this. It goes from, I really should pray, to God, I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are. It's not a chore to get up early to spend time with you. And life flows from that place. We become revived, we become conscious, and we wake up. I believe it's time to start to wake up today. We have a new season ahead of us, church. Ascend Global Church. Whether you're here uh, and you're locally, you're part of our church, or whether you're from the wider body of Christ, we're coming into a brand new season and it's time that we wake up. Consider your eternity today. Where are your eyes fixed? What truly has your attention today? For some of us, we need to stop rehearsing our pain and our offenses. I heard this incredible uh, quote from a woman named Anne Voskamp. And it says, the days we are in are not a practice, they're not a drill. We practiced our faith for days like these. I believe that's the season we're in right now. We've practiced our, our faith for days like these, church. What have you learned in this season? What is it raising in my life? What is God trying to get my attention on? How will I allow it to, to change me and grow me? There's more required of you and I as we head into a new season, a fresh commitment, a fresh commitment to first love. Where do, I, where do you and I need to respond to him? Do I need to be revived, if I'm honest, in my relationship with him? Do I need to be restored into consciousness again? We're playing a song at the moment and the words are, what would you do if he walked into the room right now? His presence is here for you. His presence is in your home today. He wants to be your first love today. Is my relationship with him one that is just going through the motions? Is there pain in my life that I need to process? Is there trouble in my life that I need to process, that I need to get healed? Maybe today you need to come fully back to him. I want to give you a couple of keys today. The first one is remember. This is how we come back to that place of first love. Remember what it was like when you first got saved, when you first realized his love, when you first realized he was real. It was totally real. When you remember, when you remember and you imagine and you dwell on those things. The Bible says in Revelation, oh, you church of Ephesians, remember the height you have fallen from. Remember that place where you loved him. 
The next thing we do is this. We need to repent, church. We need to ask forgiveness. We need to lay it all out there with him. No excuses. It's not about who hurt me or what they did or what that person did or what they didn't do. This is about you and him. You make decisions. I make decisions. And they cause us to move towards him or away from him today. If that's you, why don't you repent today? God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry I responded that way. I reacted that way. God, I'm, I'm sorry I got caught up in stuff and offenses and discussions and idle words. I come back to you. God, I'm sorry I stopped believing things were possible with you. I'm sorry in the midst of my turmoil that I just gave up because I was discouraged because I couldn't see an end. And the third thing is this, it's to return. Come back. You just got to come back. You just got to choose today, I'm coming back. Maybe you're a Christian, but you know, you know what? I've been like Goma and I've been in and out of my relationship with Jesus. Friends, we're coming into a brand new season. It's not the time to be flirting with the world. It's not the time to be like her where she was, where I was hooked to other things. Let's put him first in everything. Let's be a people that are so burning with him that it flows into everywhere we go. It flows into the people around us. It shifts atmospheres. That's what brings revival. That's what brings revival is when you and I are woken up on the inside. When we're consciously awake on the inside. When I'm so in love with him, it's not a chore to get up to pray in the morning. It's not a chore. I want to get up. I want to get out of bed and I want to spend time with him. It's the first part of my day because I want to be with him. And then everything flows from that place. I want to ask you today, what would you do? He is in your house today. But what would you do if you could see him in the natural walk? into your house, where would you be? Today he's calling you back. And so today I wanna, I wanna ask you if you have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. It is the best decision that you could ever do. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you over 2000 years ago so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you could live free from being a slave to fear, a slave to sin, a slave to your past. He wants to give you a new and a brand new relationship. If that's you today, I'd love you to pray this prayer with me. Today, if you're here also and you know you need to recommit your life, there is no condemnation. That only comes from the enemy. Today, he's calling you back. And today, I'm calling you back into relationship with Jesus Christ. And so why don't we, wherever you are now, why don't you close your eyes with me and we're going to pray. We're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to pray and I'd love you to pray it after me. Lord Jesus, why don't you say it in your home today? We're going to commit our lives afresh to him. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I thank you that you love me and that you stepped out of heaven for me to rescue me from my sin, to rescue me from being a slave. I thank you today that you died on the cross for me. You broke the curse and the power of sin in my life. Today, I thank you for your forgiveness. And I decree that you are my Lord and Savior. Amen.
Amen. If this was the first time that you prayed this prayer, or you're not part of a church community, a church family, and you have recommitted your life, then right now, um, just on your screen, uh, there is a pop-up that will come up and it will show you where to go. We've got a team of people that are praying already for you. And we would love to connect with you. Love our Facebook page. Private message us there and give us your details and somebody will connect with you very shortly uh, in the next few minutes. Why don't you do that right now? Right now when you've just made this commitment to Jesus Christ. Why don't you go and you do that? Um, respond right now. Jesus loves you. It's really important, though, that when we make a decision like this, that we don't walk it alone. Goma needed Hosea. You and I, we need a family of people around us that will, show, that will support us and show us how to walk with God. I want to encourage you, too, that uh, if this message has spoken to you, and you're a Christian, and maybe you're part of a same global church, there's no content if you know that your relationship has grown cold. But why don't you do those three things? Remember, remember your relationship. Remember that first passion and that first love. And cultivate it again. Cultivate that relationship again. And repent. And then return, come back. Because you know what, church? We're in this together. We're going to walk together. This is a very exciting, exciting season we're coming into. And we want you to be part of it. Amen. We love you today. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will take you through the valley of Achor, the valley of pain, and he will give you a door of hope. Right now, uh, we're going to move into our time of our offering. And I'd love you right now. Just uh, we're going we're gonna to take up our offering. Whether you're doing that online, you can do that through PushPay, through our app. Or you can do that online. Um, or maybe we've had people ask us about how do I give when I give by cash. You know what? You can save that. And uh, when church opens again, um, our, our physical church doors, you can bring it with you there. And uh, there's no wrong way to give. But uh, we want to give today. You know why? Not because we have to, but because he loves us so much that we want to give and we want to sow into his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you today. We want to bless you on this Mother's Day service. And uh, I pray for every mother here today that you would be absolutely blessed. That um, you would know that God is walking with you. That you would know that he goes before you and that he is also your rear guard today. I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Our greetings from Pastor Dave. We, we are really missing you and we can't wait until uh, we are back together again. So stay tuned for some updates. Amen.